I thought I was going to continue with uh, the looking unto Jesus, part six. <laughs> but it changed. I prayed, I listened to the Lord. I had my notes go in that direction of looking unto Jesus, part six. But it changed, and uh, I believe I've heard the Lord to speak to you some things. And, and youth, I encourage you to listen to this. Pay attention. I call it living in your divine purpose. Living in your divine purpose. They are basics, but revelatory. But if you live by them and live by these principles, you'll find provision, you'll find your peace and satisfaction. Many believers are not living in peace. Many believers. It's unfortunate. I'm serious. By the mass and the grace of God, I have known peace. I looked for it before I gave my life to Christ. I looked for it in everything I could get around. But I never found it. But I remember when I gave my life to Christ on 17th June 1996 on a Monday, then for the first time, I, I experienced that peace on a Friday evening. And I knew that's what I was living for. Because if you are in strife with another person, you'll not be in peace. Because you are in disobedience to the, to the word of God. The word of God says, pursue peace with all men. If you are not living truthful before the Lord, you'll never know peace. I was talking to some of our, our, our children from the home yesterday, and I was telling them that, that uh, God does not bless rebellion. Now, many times when you talk about rebellion, you think about children. But I think sometimes uh, the most rebellious people are adults towards God and his purposes. But today I've got good news for you. There has been rebellion, it will be out. If there has been a, a strife, it will be out. If there, you've lacked peace, you receive peace today. Because that's what God has in store for each one of us. Living in your divine purpose. Divine purposes in your life begin uh, with coming into Christ. It begins right there. When we come to Christ, we've entered into God's plan for our lives. And actually, it's God's plan for all eternity. It begins right there. Jesus is the door to God's purposes. Jesus is the door. We enter in through salvation by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We enter into God's purposes. In John 10, verse 9, to emphasize on that, Jesus is the door to God's purposes. In John 10, 9, it says, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he'll go in and out and find pasture. He'll be saved, and he'll go in and out and find pasture. The Passion Translation, I like it. It says this, I am the door, the, I am the gateway. I like that one. I am the gateway. Listen to what it says. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. Anyone wants life? Anyone wants freedom? Anyone wants satisfaction? In Christ. It says to enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. So life... Freedom and satisfaction is in Christ. 
to enter into the kingdom of God through Christ. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1 in verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And then he says this, just as he chose us in him, say, I'm chosen in him. He chose us in him. In him was who? Christ. He chose us in him. So when we enter into the kingdom of God, uh, through salvation in Christ Jesus, we've entered into the purposes of God. God chose us in him. And therefore, very important thing is to understand who we are in Christ. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I saw that in, 19, I think, 1996, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And I said this, wow, God chose me to be holy and without, without blame before him in love. Therefore, I will not struggle with sin. Because his purposes are bigger than my struggles. You, you see what I'm saying? Then I thought, he chose me to be holy and without blame before him in love. Therefore, I will not struggle with sin. I will strive to obey this word. And, and look at this then. He says this, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that should be holy and without blame before him in love. And then I make a statement here. One of the most important reasons that our Lord Jesus Christ was effective in his earthly ministry was because he knew his purpose. He was effective in his earthly ministry. One of the primary reasons is that because he knew his purpose. He knew why he was here on this earth. He knew exactly what he had come to do, and therefore he pursued that. What about church if you knew exactly what to do in your life? Will you pursue anything else? Huh? I wasn't, I, I wasn't pursuing. God, God made, uh, made me aware. But, but when, I, when I knew the girl I was going to get married to, there was no more in a pursuit, though I didn't have any. You understand? If you know this is what you, you're, 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 you're here for, then you don't need to pursue anything else. You pursue that, and listen to this, and be good at it. You pursue that and be good at it. So I say again, one of the most important reasons that our Lord Jesus Christ was effective in his earthly ministry was because he knew his purpose. In Mark chapter 1, let's read some scriptures here from Mark 1, verse 32. If you pay attention to this, you'll walk out of this place with answers. You will know, wow, this is what I'm supposed to, to be pursuing, actually. Now, listen to this, Mark chapter, 30, chapter 1, verse 32. At evening, when the sun has set, they brought to him all who are sick and those who are demon-possessed. And look at what follows next. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. How many people? The whole city. Can you imagine all of us in the city of Nairobi gathered? Of course, there are not that many. But all the city was gathered at the door. Then he healed men who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and did not allow the demons to speak 
because they knew him. Don't cast out demons and you want them to speak. People make that mistake. No. Where did you come from? Because you've watched, you've watched people doing that on television. And then you think that is a cool thing to do. Look at the scriptures. In fact, I may, be, uh, I may not say 100% of this. The only time I see him uh, speaking is when the swine, pigs were there, and they, they said, they responded to him, and he spoke, and he told them where to go. That's the only time. But how many times do you have in this city? We'll talk happy. Devil is a lie. You expect him to tell you the truth. No. It's error. Look at the scriptures and let's focus on the scriptures. So he did not allow to, them to speak because they knew him. They knew him. But look at what follows next. Now in the morning, having risen along while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. If I was talking about prayer, I would have gone into that. You can listen to the message I spoke on Wednesday. I expounded some things regarding that. And Simon and those who are with him searched for him. Look at verse 37. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. And what follows next? Because for this purpose I have come forth. Remember they are saying everyone is looking for you. But that didn't stop him from going to the other cities. In other words, listen to this. The popularity or the response of men did not deter him from the purposes of God. The response of men or lack of it did not deter him or to, to move into the purposes of God, he continued in what he had come for. He had a purpose, and he was going to fulfill it. He had a purpose. Even if anyone, if, uh, if probably many of us as ministers of the gospel, when you have the whole city being around, you say, we need to plant a church here. That's a good place to plant a church. And be here and have all our meetings here. This is a good response because people are responding well. Not Jesus. Jesus' purpose was to fulfill the will of his father. He was determined to do that. And nothing else was going to remove him or, or to deviate from that purpose. In Mark 11, 138, uh, he says this. In the Amplified Version says this. He replied, let us go to the neighboring towns so that so I may preach there also. That is why I came from the Father. That is why I came from the Father. Do you know why you're here? Can you say, this is the reason I'm here? Can you say that in your life? He says this, I came to preach. There, 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 let's go to other towns so I may preach there also. That is why I came from the Father. In Luke chapter 4, same, Luke says it in a different way, a little bit. In chapter 4, verse 42, 44, he says this. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him, and listen to this, and tried to keep him from leaving them. In other words, you visited someone and said, let's stay. And because you don't have any purpose, said, yes, I'll stay. 
Have ever visited someone and say, stay a little bit more. And because you didn't have any other plan, you'll stay. But not Jesus. Listen, he knew exactly what he was there for. And therefore, even the response of men could not keep him. Or lack of it. He says this, and the crowd sought him, goes right there. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must now, that's priority, Brother Francis. I must. This is my priority. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. I was not called to one village. Therefore, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also because for the purpose, for this purpose, I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogue of Galilee. Let me show you another one and then I'll explain some things. John 6, 14 to 15. If you want to learn the, from the best, who do you go for? I'll go for Jesus. I'll learn from him. He's the best example. He fulfilled the purpose of God. He knew why he was here, and he did exactly what God had called, had called him, or had brought him, sent him to do here on this earth. Listen to this in verse 14. It says, uh, Then those men who, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This truly is the prophet who's come into the world. Look at what follows next. Therefore, when Jesus perceived they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Don't ever try, uh, don't ever allow men to make you something. Don't allow that. Understanding purposes is actually independent of the opinions of men. Understanding divine purpose is independent of the opinions of men. That does not mean that you can close yourself to counsel. But listen to this. It's not every person that you listen to. Before you go doing out anything, ask the Lord first. Understand why you are there. If you're asking, is the Lord really with me? You don't know then. And because you don't know, you can easily be deviated from God's purpose in your life. So critical here is to know. Listen to this. They wanted to take him by force to make him king. Was that what he came for? No. Listen to this. Uh, let me ask you this. Was it a cool thing to be a king? Oh, yeah. What about if we got hold of you to be our governor? And then you say, the people of Nairobi have spoken. Until they don't elect you, you realize that. You know they do that. Have you, have you, have you noticed that they do that quite a lot? Listen to this. Then you have to understand, why am I here? What is my place in life? Why am I here even today? What do I want to accomplish is God in it? Has he called me to do this? I can authoritatively say, I know when he called me to, as a minister of the gospel. I knew that, exactly. I knew the day, I knew the time. And I've never doubted it. I knew when he called me to be with Pastor Sweden Kala, and I've never doubted it. He spoke to me clearly. 
Then I'll show you something. Maybe you may be saying, I know that I'll answer later. You may be thinking like, but because you're a pastor, I think God had to specifically speak to you. Not so. You will learn later that he does that to everyone. To everyone. Even to you today. You, you learn that. Now, now look at this. So they wanted him to be a king. To make, him a, to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Listen to this. He first knew who he was in the eyes of the father. And well understood, so I'm going to say several things. He first knew who he was in the eyes of the father. Who was he? He knew who he was in the eyes of the father. And well understood where. So he knew who he was and well understood where he was from and what he was on earth for. So in other words, you need, you need to answer those questions. Who are you? Why are you from and where are you going? And why are you here? You, you see what I'm saying? Are you, you, you don't see what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so look at this. He first knew who he was in the eyes of the father and well understood where he was from and what he was on the earth for. That is critical. Who are you? And I'm going to speak about that in a moment. And in John 16, 28, he says this. John 16, 28, he says this. Then those men, I mean, the scriptures say this. Those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did. Did I say? No, no, no. 16, 28, sorry. 16, 28, he says this. I came forth from the Father. So he knew where he came from. I came forth from the Father and I've come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. I believe when the church realizes that, we will not act as if we are going to stay on this earth forever. In fact, I believe if we really understood we're here temporarily, we'll make more impact in our generation. We'll be more generous with the love of God and not building like we are going to stay here forever. We'll be more generous with everything God has given us. Why is that so? We'll understand that we are stewards and our lives here on this earth is temporary. It's temporary. Even if you are going to live for 100 years, you're temporary. I, I think I, I was talking to someone yesterday. I thought, I, I'm thinking like, I turned 50 this, this January. I remember when I went to, I finished, uh, you know, uh, I, I was done with Form 4. Recently, 1991. I know you young people, you, you think like, man, you are old. You are wrong. I was born recently, 1973, 5th January. That amazes me. Just recently. I remember November 1991 when I was doing my KSCSC exam. That's recent to me. Now those of you who are not who are not born, you think like, man, you are a cake, a cake in nature. No, I, I am born again. But, but listen to this. So in essence, I've lived for, this is my 50th year. Now if I'm going to live another 50 years more, I'm half my age now. I'm half, half my age now. If the last 50 years have gone this fast, 
I believe, listen to this, I'll be more busy now in the remaining years, and it will be fast. You know when you are like 10, you don't have anything to do. One Christmas to another is a very long time. I remember when you were growing up, Christmas one to another looks to be, uh, seem to be very, a very long time. I think we are idle. But listen to this, when you are busy, when you know what you're supposed to do and you are pursuing that, time just passes so fast. So 50 years from today, most likely, I'll be in heaven. If the Lord tarries, I'll be also still in heaven. If the Lord comes, I'll be in heaven. The Bible says your life is like a vapor. If you knew, church, everything that you are doing in this life has eternal effects, will you think different? Will you talk differently? Will you be more generous? If you knew that everything, an example, if I'm giving, if I'm giving this to, to Deacon Daniel, if I give it this, it has eternal rewards. Will you, do you think I'm going to withhold it? What is 100 years or 120 years compared to eternity? Nothing. However, God has given us time on this earth to prepare for eternity. And what we do with this life here is going to affect our eternal position in God. That if you are not born again today, you should not leave this place without giving your life to Christ. Because, especially being without Christ, you may pass out right there and gone forever. Separated from God. Nothing like that's what evangelists say. No, that's the truth. That's the truth. So Jesus in John 16, 28, I came from the Father. And I've come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Let me make repeat some statements that I made earlier on. The response of men or lack of wit did not deviate him from his father, father's will or from his purpose. Many times, we want the praises of men to think like it's the will of God what we are doing. Not so, church. Not so, church. You remember King Saul actually lost his kingdom because of that? Because he did what was popular with men. Let's go to First Samuel chapter 15. Let's read some scriptures there. Let's learn some things from this man. First Samuel chapter 15. In verse 2, the Bible says that, let's start from verse 1. Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. So he's saying, actually, this is the Lord speaking to you. That says the Lord of us, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Look at verse 3. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy how many? All. Destroy all that they have. 
and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman. Don't go doing that, okay? That's all covenant, and we have uh, lots of explanation regarding that. So don't say, God killed in the, I'm, I can go out and kill. Don't kill anyone. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and, uh, camel and donkey. And so he went out, but look at verse 7. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Avila all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. That's bad. Huh? What did God tell him? Destroy everyone. What did he do? He spared Agag the king, and he brought fatted sheep. Do you think that was for God? If God has told you not to, to, to do something, and you say like, but, but I'm, I'm keeping this one. You know who you are keeping that for? It's for yourself. Look at what follows next. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, verse 11, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Look at verse 13. Then Samuel went to Saul, and, and Saul said to him, uh, <laughs> he meets with Samuel, Saul, so he's come back, and he said this, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord, you liar. Do you see what he says? He's deceived. And look at what follows next. And Samuel said this. What then is the bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And then he says this. And Saul said, they have, they, they. They. That's what Jesus could never do. They wanted him to stay. They wanted, think he wanted to make him king. He said, people won't make me anything. Listen to what Saul said. They have brought them from the Americas. In other words, he's discharging himself from his responsibility. God did not give the instruction to, them, to the people. He gave instruction to Saul. But he says they have. They are brought from, from the Americas for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. We have an offering. He said, we have an offering for the Lord. But the Lord re responded in verse 16. I don't want to go into that. Then Samuel said to, to, to Saul, be quiet. And I'll tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said, speak on. And it goes on and on and on and on. Listen, God desires obedience. Period. In fulfilling God's purpose, Priority, again, Brother Francis, what you said, priority is God. When God is in place, we'll be freed from the fear of men. How many people, or you didn't think about this, how many times have you not done things because you are fearing what men will say? How many times have you known that this is what the Lord tells me to do, but you can't do it because you're thinking, what will they say if I did this? I remember one time, 
many years ago. I think that was the year 1999 or 2000. I was walking in town at 10 o'clock, around 10.30, 11 o'clock on Mamangina Street. And I'm walking and ahead of me I saw a certain woman uh, smoking. Nowadays they can smoke more openly, but those years still, it was people who hide, especially women. So she was smoking down the streets during the day, and the Lord told me this. I saw first when she was smoking, she was a well-dressed woman, and uh, maybe I was in my 20s, maybe she was in a, I thought she was maybe in her late 30s or 40s. I don't know if she was 50, but late 30s maybe or 40s. But you know, when you are like your 20s, you think everyone else is older. Uh, but maybe late 30s or, 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 or 40s. But then she was smoking. And because she was smoking, when she would pass, people be, will turn and look at her. And then the Lord told me this. Go tell her about my love. Whoa. If, if, uh, if you know, in Central you say, oi. You know, that's what we didn't say. He said, oi. You know, just in the street, what am I supposed to do? I say this, oh, no, no, Lord, no. Then the Lord said this to me. Uh, he, he said, God tell him my love. And I thought, no, Lord. And this is, my first thought was this. Look at this woman. She's smoking, and everyone who's passing is looking at, at her. The moment I start walking with her, people will start looking at me. And probably... Believers, a certain brother or sister can see me. Because we saw Brother Davis walking with a certain woman in town who was smoking. Those are first thoughts was men, people. And listen to this. And then he said this to me authoritatively. I remember that inside of Masby. He said this. She will die in her sins, but I will require her blood upon you, your life. Wow. That brought reverential fear now inside of me. And then he said this immediately. He who prays in tongues edifies himself. I started praying in tongues. And as I prayed in tongues, I felt boldness had come in. And within a few minutes, just all that is happening for within a few minutes, not a long time, just within a few minutes. I went to her and I told her, I told her, excuse me. Yes. <laughs> she puffed. <laughs> yes. I said, Jesus is the way. And she said, the truth and the life. She finished. I'm telling you the truth. Like, like the King James says, verily, verily. Verily, verily. I tell you. That's what he said. She said. And then I said, uh, I said, and he has told me to pray for you. And she looked at me and said, would, I, I told her, would you pray this prayer after me? Now from then, I didn't remember anything. I didn't remember anyone around us. It's like the presence of God came and just surrounded us. And she prayed that, she repeated that prayer of salvation. And listen to this, I had my eyes open. The Bible says, watch and pray. <laughs> you understand? You don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't closing your eyes so tightly in the streets and you'll be punched. On your face, you watch and pray. But listen, to this is what she did. The moment I say she she prayed that prayer, Lord Jesus, when she began that, she threw away that cigarette. And she gave her life to Christ. And listen to what she told me. 
She said, she said these are her words. When the scripture say in, in Isaiah, I, I don't know what scripture she quoted, but she, she spoke of Isaiah about the anointing. She says, I see the anointing of God on your face. And then she said this, I, I've been a believer, but I've backslidden. I moved away from the Lord. I'm not thinking, I'm thinking like, I'm done. I need to get moving now. So I told her, if you want to get me, if we any need, you want to get me, you'll come, we shall have lunch or meetings in Eureka Hira's fourth floor from 12 uh, to, to 2 o'clock, you'll find me there. Thank you so much. And it's like the presence of God and the joy of God came upon me and I left her. The anointing of God upon your life when you know what to do and you are pursuing that, you are freed from the fear of men. When you know what to do, you are free from the fear of men. My friend, uh, Pastor Justin Bridges of Heritage of uh, Heritage of Faith Church told me that years ago, he was in a city. Uh, we were standing near the Hilton Hotel and, you know, we went there shopping around Hilton. And then uh, he told me, many years ago, there were so many people, you know, the way people are in town. And he told me, many years ago, there, I was in a city like this and the Lord told me, go stand there at the corner and preach. He said, no, Lord, I can't do that. They won't even listen to me. Go stand there at the corner and preach. He said, okay. He stood there and he said he preached and preached and preached. And no one paid attention to what he was saying. Then when he was done, he said, Lord, you see, no one did. And then the, he said, he told me this. The Lord told him this, that that was not for them. That was for you to deliver you from the fear of men. Think of how many things you have not done because you are fearing men. You think about things that you could have stood in church, stood up, I mean in school, but, but you couldn't because you're fearing. What are others going to say? The fear of man is a snare. And we cannot be in the fear of men and serve Christ. When we know God's purpose, it delivers us from the fear of men. Now, so your identity in Christ is critical for your purpose on earth. Your identity in Christ is critical for your purpose on earth. Why would I say, why would I say so? Because in John 16, 28, among other scriptures, Jesus says, I came forth from the Father. In other words, he identified himself with the Father. I came forth from the Father and I've come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. So your identity in Christ is critical for your purpose on earth. Listen to this. His image in you precedes purpose. Image comes first. Purpose follows. If you have an image crisis or an identity crisis, you have actually a mad image. Is that English? Mad? M-A-R-R-E-D? Uh, is that, does that, do I need to give uh, other synonyms for mad? Anyone, anyone? Uh, that's sufficient. If we're a scholar like you, but let me, any, any word for mad? 
destroyed. Let me use destroyed. And kind of destroyed is like when, when your image precedes purpose. In other words, you have to find your identity. And then that identity gives you an image of who you are. And from that image is where flows out your purpose. Let me give you an example. In Genesis 1.26, God says, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. And what follows next? Let them have dominion. In other words, he created them in the, his image and his likeness for his purpose. So our identity is in Christ. We are in him. I'll say some things to explain that. But identity comes first before purpose. Identity comes first before purpose. Oh, than ever before, church, we have an identity crisis in our generation. Than ever before. And, I, and that's what the enemy is fighting. You know when one wakes up in the morning and is a girl and says, I'm a boy? Now that's an identity crisis. You, you know what I'm talking about? And, and, and it's, it's in this generation. But do you know what the devil is going for? He wants again to destroy that identity that reflects God on this earth. I don't know if I'll say. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Uh, like I've said in the past, where we reach, we reach. And then we'll continue next week. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Verse 1, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God, I believe those are angels, the sons of God saw the daughters of men. So the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took, those are angels, and I, I believe that they, the ones that rebelled and followed the devil. Then the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Are you seeing that? Now look at what follows next verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his day shall be 120 years. When did man turn to be flesh? When he sinned. Because when God created man in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he said, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. God is spirit. But the moment he sinned, he became flesh. Now look at what follows next. That does not mean he, does, he didn't have a spirit, but his spirit lost the consciousness of God in his life. Now look at this. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came into daughters of men and they bore children to them, those are the mighty men who are of old, men of renown. Now let me explain something here. So here we have fallen angels. They are seeing beautiful women on earth. Daughters of men, beautiful. So someone who tells you the beautiful ones are not yet born is lying to you. You're already here. <laughs> I've ever heard that. I don't know where they got that from. Beautiful ones are not born. 
What do you mean? Are we all ugly? <laughs> Ever heard it being said that the beautiful ones are not yet born? No, they've been there. You are here. But then, it's, then these are the, the angels came in and, and, and married the, the daughters of men and the, the breed that was born, if I can use that word, the breed that was born was giants. Giants came into existence because of a mixed seed. It was never God's plan. And you know who he was going for? The devil knew. The devil was going for the seed of a woman who we know is Jesus. He knew if you could mix seeds, then he will stop the virgin birth of Jesus. Because in the Garden of Eden, God's, Garden of Eden, God said this, and there shall be a seed of a woman, and he will bruise your head. He'll crush your head. That's the word, actually. He'll crush your head. So what the, the enemy was doing is to remove that image the way God created it. So when you see things coming in, identity crisis, gender issues, is actually to remove that image that reflects God's purposes on earth. Don't forget that. So you must know first who you are for you to be able to have any, uh, to, to walk in purposes of God. Who you are and who we, who we are is only in Christ. His image in you comes before purpose. Comes before purpose. So what is the enemy causing now in our generation? Confusion. People don't know who they are. Let me say something here. And understand me when I say this. And even the church, if you're not careful, we identify ourselves more with what has happened in our life, in our lives, than Christ. No problem with singles. No problem with widows. No problem with 50 to 60 years. No problem with the teens. But listen to this. That's not our identity. That's not our identity. That's why you find that us squatters, so if you're squatters, we have a certain group. Squatters uprising, uh, you know, a circle. You, you know what I'm talking about? And then at some point then, uh, or us singles over 40. You see, we start identifying ourselves with the things that have happened in our lives or lack of it, instead of what? Identifying ourselves fast with Christ. And then it goes on to us, marginalized tribes. So you have a marginalized tribe somewhere. Us, Mandeleo, Yawanaume. Us, boy child. Church, that's error. If that is what defines you, then you have lost your true identity. As we don't. That's okay. That's okay. But listen to this. Fast is Christ. Fast is Christ. Again, Brother Francis, priority is our identity in Christ. Not what has happened in our lives. Okay. There's no enthusiasm in that. 
But that's the truth. That's the truth. Knowing by revelation your purpose on earth and fulfilling it well will affect your place in eternity. I already said that. After salvation, church, you need to go to the scriptures and believe the Lord to know by revelation that you are now in Christ. You are now in Christ. Let me add something to that. You are not your own. You belong to God. You are not your own. Church, you belong to God. And you better start living like you belong to him. You're not your own. When you came to Christ, the Bible says in First, first Peter that you are bought at a price. In First Corinthians chapter 6, I mean, First Corinthians chapter 6, you are bought at a price. You're not your own. Youth, you're not your own. There are things I can do because I'm in Christ. Not because I, I, wouldn't, I, I feel like God is going to, to hit me with a hammer. No, it's because I'm in Christ. I no longer my, have my own life. Have you ever heard people say this uh, after someone has gotten married? Say, he's married, but he's behaving like unmarried people. You've ever heard of that? Or have you ever been told that? If you are told that this is not good, <laughs> that's not good. He's married, but he's behaving like unmarried people. But, but listen to this. We are born into the kingdom of God. We ought to live that way as being bought by him. We don't have our own lives. We are bought at a price. We belong to God. That's the first thing that needs to happen also. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, 6. The Passion Translation, translation I like it. Now you need to shout about this one. For it was always in his perfect plan, that is God's perfect plan, to adopt us as his delightful children. And a delightful child, child in the house. Now that, doesn't, that doesn't look like you are really delighted. Can you inform your face that you're a delightful child? <laughs> in the Bible school, used to be told like, if you're happy, inform your face. I mean, smile. Show us that you're happy. But listen, for it was always in the perfect plan to adopt us his delightful children. Now look at what follows next. Through our union with Jesus, that means this is our identity. To be a delightful child of God, we must first identify ourselves with Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are one with him. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says this, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We are one with him and in him. He says this, uh, that through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. Look at what follows next. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. I don't know if you know what that means. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. God loves us with the same love that he loved Jesus, his son. No difference. 
Say, God loves me. Just like he loves his son, Jesus. Equal in measure. Equal in measure. Same love, of course, it's immeasurable. Because he said the depth, the length, the height, the breadth of, of the love of God. But it's the same love, church. Can you think of you going around and say this, God loves me just like the way he loves Jesus? Do you know what that will move? In your prayer or in your, in your mouth, oh God, I am so filthy. I'm not so worthy. Not at all, God. I'm this warm on earth. Do you even know my name? The people who pray that way. I remember I told you that my aunt, she's in heaven now. But my aunt, she'll pray. And, and you know, in mother tongue, is even bad. You know? <laughs> it, it, I don't know why mother tongue has a way of, of, of giving some meanings to us. But my, 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 grand, my, my aunt, my uncles, uh, my, which is mother's brother's wife, I think she passed on two years ago. She became blind for some few years before she passed on. But, oh my goodness, we love that auntie. But she used to come to my home before we were born again. I mean, we were little devils, for sure. We didn't know the Lord. She's, she wakes up in the morning and she's praying, oh, sisi watu wachafu. Wapumbavu kabisa hatufai. Seriously? It's, it's worse in, in the mother tongue. In my in, in mother tongue, this is what to a pumbavu. And I'm thinking in my heart, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And after that, we used to laugh about those prayers, say, Yeni mpumbavu pekeak. <laughs> and she's, <laughs> she's praying. Listen, it's the same love he has for his beloved Jesus. He has for us. Listen this, we can fulfill God's purposes in our lives because he's loved us with the same love. We're not inferior to him. He identifies, listen, he identifies himself with us. We need to identify ourselves with him. We are one with him. He loves us, church. Now, look what follows next. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. That God just enjoys loving you. God just enjoys his plans unfolding in your life. God just enjoys you walking in, purpose, in his purpose. First, we have to know we're in him, we're in Christ. Our identity is in him. We are not our own. We've been brought into the kingdom of God. And listen to this, the response of men and lack of it should not define our purpose. The response of it and lack of it. Youth, young person, and not only you. But if you have uh, 10,000 uh, TikTokers following you, that does not mean you are, doing, you are in God's purpose. I was, I was reading yesterday, I think, about TikToks, about politicians, the national newspaper uh, using TikTok. And they say that actually Kenya is leading in, in that, did you say that Kenya is leading in that uh, in TikToking? If there's a word like that, TikTok, not talking, T-A-L, but Kenya is leading. Check it out. Just don't take my word for, for it, but just take it out. We're leading, and mostly in Kenya, there are funny things. 
Eh? I've seen that clip over there. Continue. I mean, and, and it, it, they do that oh. Oh. <laughs> all the time. Funny, funny things. I tried for two weeks, I came out. <laughs> I think I told you one morning, I, I, I tried that same morning. I think I downloaded it on a Monday morning. And then I, and then I saw something funny, and then I sent to Tina. And you know, she's working. She's, then I saw another one funny, then I sent to her. Then I sent the third one, and then she, she responded, honey, get busy. Then I saw it much later, so I responded, I said this, honey, I'm busy, I've been cycling. <laughs> I thought, man, I'm not going to stay in this, in this, in this thing of, over here. Now, if you're making money out of it, please do. You, you understand? But listen to this, very important, important point here, know your purpose. You can have some funny things over there, but that does not mean it's, it's the purpose of God for you. What is trending nowadays? Say, oh, I, I want to be on, on media. I want to be on media. I want to. Did God tell you that? Or oh, is this most popular thing in our generation? Fine. If you really want to know you're in God's purpose, you'll have satisfaction and fulfillment in your heart. In your heart. And you'll know inside of you, there's something that happened inside of me. I know I'm doing what God has called me to do. In Jeremiah 1, 4, 5, I'm coming close to winding up. I said coming close. I didn't say I'm winding up. Coming close. Let's go to Jeremiah 1, very familiar scripture. But let's learn some things from it. Verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to me saying to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you are born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. That's one of the reasons, among many, that's one of the reasons that abortion is anti-God, among many. That's one of the reasons it's anti-God. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you are born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now you may say this. But that's for Jeremiah. I'll show you some scriptures. Not just for Jeremiah, for you. God says this, before I formed you, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you, a prophet was his purpose. But God ordained you to be something. His purpose. Let's go to Galatians 1, that's Jeremiah, but let's see other scriptures. You can go to Isaiah 49, verse 1 uh, in your own time. But Galatians 1, 15 and 17, the Amplified Version says this. Listen to what Apostle Paul says, same. But on God who had chosen me and set me apart before I was born. Church, we live in the realm of time, but we are eternal beings. Eternity has no beginning, no end. Now we have our mind which is limited to understand that. But eternity has no beginning, no end. It's eternity. 
So he says, before I formed you, but God said, who had chosen me and set me apart before I was born. But when God who had chosen me and set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace, was pleased, go on, to reveal his son in me so that I may preach him among the Gentiles. God dwells, the Bible says, God inhabits eternity. God does not dwell in time. Can I have some four men over here? Only handsome men. All right, come over, over. Thank you. Come over, come over here. I'll show you something here. And Ella Francis can stand behind there as God. Come on. Stand right over here. Give yourself like three, three, okay, right there. And uh, Gibson over there and Daniel over there. All right? So look at this. God inhabits eternity. Ella Francis behind there. All right? Now, this is the time, let's say like in the beginning, Genesis 1-1. All right? I think I'll need someone else. But this is about 2,000 years ago when Jesus, Jesus was crucified on the cross. All right? And this is 1973 when I was being born. On 5th of January. And this is 1996 when I was giving my life to Christ. God, this is in the realm of time. These men are in the realm of time. God is outside of time. Are you seeing that? Now, his elder friends, don't, don't act so much like, you know, feel like you are God now, you're going to. <laughs> but, but it's outside the realm of time. Are you seeing that? But as we're in the tick-tock, tick-tock, time, time, not tick-tock, but tick-tock, 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 we're in the realm of time. But God says this, he's seeing the end from the beginning, so you cannot contain him within the, the, the limitations of time. Isaiah says that God inhabits eternity. So he's talking, God from that realm of eternity says this, uh, go back to verse 15, Go, go back to Jeremiah, please. Go back to Jeremiah. I want you to see something. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's when? 1973. Because I am not in 1973. I inhabit eternity. Listen to this. Time is a small slice, so to speak, of eternity. Very minute until God says this, your life on earth is like a vapor. So when we come now, this is in the beginning, but Jesus Christ died here in, uh, in about 2,000 years ago. I'm born in 1973. Listen, before I was born here, he already paid the price for me. He has a, God already made a plan, and the plan is in Christ. So for me to walk in this plan of the eternal God, first I have to accept as a fact that which happened 2,000 years ago. Even if I have accepted here in 1996, it has the same power, same ability to change my life and throw me into the eternal purposes of God. 
What did I did what did I need to do? Only believe. Only believe. It's one thing. I believe you are the son of God. That brought this fact here which happened 2000 years ago. Listen to this because the will of God overrides time. It's not limited to time. Now, can I have the most beautiful one stand over here, please? Now, that's the most beautiful. You thought you all unhandsome. This is them. Now, stand over there. Now, look at this. This is now, so to speak, the future that God has in store for you. But it's determined by you accepting what he did for you about 2,000 years ago to influence your life now and to walk in the purposes of God in line with the eternal purposes of God. If you act independently of this time, this person here, what happened in 2,000 years ago, you're on your own, lost in darkness. And in eternity, you'll be asked, what you did with your life. Because God is a God of purpose. He does nothing without, without purpose. Nothing, zero, without purpose. God thinks in terms of purpose. And all of these, the purposes of God are in Christ. So we must always, this is our identity, who I am in Christ. I may be an electrician, but I know, yes, that is what I do, but I'm in Christ. I may be a professor, yes, that was, that's what I do, but I am in Christ. Now listen to this, that puts a wonderful a fragrance on your profession. You become the true light of this world because you're walking in the purposes of God. Priority is him. And whatever you do, you do in him and through him. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Does that, thank you, God. <laughs> Does that give you some clarification? Listen, don't ever be limited by time. You might have made mistakes. You can start again. You might have thought like us who are assaulted, us who are abused. Come out of that identity and start realizing, I'm in Christ. Us who are divorced, come out of that identity. Us who are the other side of the, of the country, come out of that identity. Identify the only way to fulfill God's purposes is to identify yourself with Christ, church. Youth, that way you will strive. That way, I mean, you will thrive. That's what I'm looking for. That way you will thrive in whatever you do. You are not young to hear God. Don't ever say with, like others that, oh, I'll finish Form 4 and then I'll tamak a little bit before I go to the university. And then after university, nowadays people are tamaking. What are you doing on tamak? When you've been raised together with Christ, you should be up there in the glory, not on tarmac. I thought you, you were going to say, Hallelujah, Pastor. Hallelujah. Glory. I'm not going to tarmac anymore. Let's see if we can finish this. Now look at this. Uh, in, in, in line of what you just said, look at what Apostle Paul says. 
Um, let's go back, please, to Galatians. We're winding up. We are towards winding up. Verse 15, please. <clears throat> but when God who had chosen me and set me apart before I was born, are you seeing that? And called me through his grace. By his grace. How are we born again? It's by grace through faith and that not ourselves is the gift of God. I was born and called me through his grace, was pleased, go forward, to reveal his son in me so that I may preach him among the Gentiles as the good news, the way of salvation. I did not immediately consult with anyone for guidance regarding God's call and his revelation to me. What am I called to do? I don't know. Read the manual. What am I called to do? I don't know what you are called to do. I can show you from the scriptures, but read the manual. I can't tell you what you are called to, you're called to do. When Pastor Swede and Carlo came here in 1987 and 1994, before they, they started this church, they were sent by Dr. Jerry Saville as the directors of Jerry Saville Ministries in Kenya. And then, uh, so they worked under Jerry Saville Ministries. So Pastor Wade said he kept hearing of beginning the church, Victory Faith Church, and starting the church. And he thought, Why, how would I tell Brother Jerry that I'm supposed to start a church in Kenya. I, can't, I don't think I can do that. So he said this. He kept quiet. He didn't want to ask Pastor Kala, lest Pastor Kala also was hearing the same thing. So they kept, kept quiet for a long time. And then finally, he said, it was so full in my heart, I asked Pastor Kala, Kala, I've been hearing the Lord for us to start a church here. She said, yes, I've been hearing the same from the Lord, but I've not been wanting to talk about it with you. Okay, so what am I supposed to do? He said, oh, definitely I want to call Dr. Jerry Saville and ask him and, and tell him what we've been sensing the Lord speak to us. He said he picked up his, the phone. Of course, there were no mobile phone then. And then he called Brother Jerry's thinking like, wow, man, I'm telling the man in such authority and such spiritual, you know, dimension, I'm calling him to tell him what I'm hearing, God. What will he think? Then he called and he said, Brother Jerry, Carl and I have been praying and this has been pressing our heart. We sense like the Lord wants us to start the church here in Nairobi, Kenya. And then Pastor Wade says, Brother Jerry kept quiet for a long time and he's thinking, wow, what is happening now? What is he thinking about? What, what is he thinking about? And then Brother Jerry laughed to the other side and he said, uh, Wade, the Lord spoke to me a while ago, but I didn't want to tell you. If I could have told you to start a church and you work under me, you could have done it because I have told you. But you could not have listened to the Lord to do what he wants you to do. Because he has said it, he already spoke to me about it, and you've heard God, let's agree, let's, let's see when I can come, come, come to Kenya. And he came in 1994 in April and began Victory Faith Church. Brother Jerry was not going to call Pastor Zwed and Carl. They had to hear God for themselves. Listen to this, because I'm a pastor, I'm not going to call you. 
that says the Lord your missionary to Egypt. And no, I'm not going to do that. What about you go to Egypt at my word? What will happen? That's error. God doesn't do that in the, this new covenant, in the new dispensation. This is my point here. Hear God. Read the manual. And then let's, let's go. If you say like, you know, I've lived all these years. I don't know what God has called me to do. Don't worry. Abraham was called at 75. Finally, he had God at 75 years old. You are not late. I thought that was going to have you rejoice. You are not late. You're 75. You aren't late. Begin this time. And listen to what the Lord says to, to you. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, then Peter opened his mouth and said this, in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. He spoke to Jeremiah, he spoke to Moses, he spoke to, to, to Apostle Paul. Listen to this, God shows no partiality. He's speaking to you, he's called you to do something for his kingdom, youth. If God will only speak to Jeremiah and to, to, to Isaiah and the rest and not to you and I, he will be unjust. But God is not unjust. God knows, shows no partiality. Listen to this. But in every nation, is Kenya a nation? In every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. You are called by God. You must find your divine purpose. I'll be teaching you of some, some practical things, actually. Of, of just knowing. You just, sometimes it can be such a desire to do something. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. Read the manual, which is the Bible. And desire to understand it. Read the Bible. And make prayers to the Lord. Lift them up to the Lord. Say, God, definitely I'm here for a purpose. What do you want me to do? Lead me. Let's go to Proverbs 2, 1 to 15. There are many scriptures. You can stand up. You've been sitting for a long time. We are winding up now. As we read this, I want you to see something. Yeah, go ahead. Stand up. Look at this, uh, the Proverbs 2, 1 to 15, the Passion Translation. Enjoy it. Here's the manual. My child, will you treasure my wisdom? Then and only then will you acquire it. What does he say? If you treasure his wisdom, then and then only will you do what? Acquire it. And, and only if you accept my advice and hide it within you, uh, within Will you succeed? And only if you accept my advice and hide it within you, within will you succeed. Let's go to the next one. So train your heart to listen what, what I speak, when I speak. Say that. I'm training my heart to listen when God speaks. I open my spirit wide to expand my discernment. And what happens, if you know what to do, then you'll pass it to your sons and daughters. Now look at what follows next, verse 3. 
Yes, cry out for comprehension and intercede for insight. How do you do it? Let's go to verse 4. For if you keep seeking it like a man would seek, would seek for sterling silver, searching in hidden places for cherished treasure, then you'll discover the fear of the Lord and find the true knowledge of God. It's not in the shallow ends. It's for seekers. Purposes of God, they are not at the shallow end. They are for people who seek. You can't say like, I don't know what God wants me to do. If he wants me to do something, he will tell me. No, you won't hear much. You've ever found gold at the shores anywhere walking? Have you ever found? Nowadays, do you even find a thousand shillings in Nairobi? Come on now. You've ever, anyone of late you took, you found 10,000 on the road? Rare cases. Even shillings nowadays, I don't see them on the road. Listen, they are for seekers. And look at verse 6. So continue there, please. Wisdom is a gift from a generous God. Every word he speaks is full of revelation. So in other words, it will reveal God's purposes into your life and becomes a fountain of understanding within you. Continue. For the Lord has a hidden storehouse of wisdom made accessible to his godly lovers. Listen to this. Mr. Ruth was telling me the other day, he becomes your personal bodyguard. Ooh. You want any bodyguard? Hey, you seek him, he becomes your personal bodyguard. Is that exciting, Priscilla? Just God becoming your personal bodyguard. You don't have to fear. He becomes, for the Lord has a hidden storehouse of wisdom, made accessible to his godly lovers. He becomes your personal bodyguard. As you follow his ways, protecting and guarding you as you chose, as you choose what is right. Go quickly, please, verse 8. Then you'll discover all that is just, proper, and fair, and be empowered to make the right decisions. This is what God wants to empower you to make right decisions. Say right there, please. To empower you to make right decisions as you walk in your, into your destiny. Right decisions, according to the word of God, will lead you into your destiny in Christ. That's where I'll be speaking about that. That's where your provision is at. If you don't know your purpose, you want to know provision. Provision is, is hinged on purpose. Look what that follows next. When wisdom wins, wins your heart and revelation breaks in, true pleasure enters your soul. Have you realized how I smile on Sundays here? I'm doing my purpose. You better be smiling, receiving the word also. Because I'm giving you purpose. Look at what follows there. When wisdom, just a moment please. When wisdom wins your heart and revelation breaks in, true pleasure enters your soul. That's fulfillment. Go to the next one. If you choose to follow good counsel, Listen to this, divine design will watch over you. And understanding will protect you from making poor choices. Some people have been delivered today from poor choices that you have made over and over again and have affected your life. If you keep seeing the same results one year after another, it's because you're making poor choices. You're not in the purposes of God. And then he says, God, the next one, we are finishing it will rescue from you from evil in disguise and from those who speak duplic duplicities. Double-minded. 
For they have left the highway of holiness and walk in the ways of darkness. We don't want that. They take pleasure when evil prospers and thoroughly enjoy a lifestyle of sin. Next one, verse 15. But they are walking on a path to nowhere. Yeah, I don't want that. Where are you going? Sijui lakini kwa hapa tu. I had people going, I think I had a brother years ago and it's a holiday and he says I have to go to town. What are you going to do? So, I mean, you have to go to town. For what? When what? When in August? Uh, August? I think, I think from the year began, probably I've been in town or two, three times in the city center. Why is that so? I don't do anything in town. And the last one I remember I was with a certain brother, I was meeting a certain brother in town on Good Friday. That's the last time I was there in town. So if I, I, I don't have any business in town, what will I do? Ananda kuona maduka. Kwani? Now, come on, under corner, Maduka, that's the effect of village. Because <laughs> village has met in shopping center. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that if you grew up in the village. But listen, they are walking on a path to nowhere, wandering away into deeper deception. God wants you to walk in His purposes, church. Let's make a confession over here and I'll pray for you. Say, Father in heaven, Say it from your heart. Father in heaven, you brought me into this world for your divine purposes. I ask you to reveal to me exactly what you want me to accomplish in this life. Thank you for Jesus who came and paid the price for me to know you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is the revealer of your purposes for my life. Thank you for the voice of your spirit in my heart. I choose, I choose, I choose to live for you in the name of Jesus. Now you go ahead and speak to him before I can pray for you. Just, just lift up your heart to him. You have made wrong decisions. Go ahead and ask him to forgive you and cleanse you from that. The fruit of dissatisfaction. The, the fruit of making wrong choices and not living purposes of God is confusion. Lack of peace. Every kind of confusion. Bitterness. Anger. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, minister the word that you put in my heart concerning your people. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation concerning your purposes for their lives. I pray for each one of them I ask you, Father, for a revelation of our our identity in Christ upon your people. I, I take authority of every lie of the enemy that has had you identify yourself with something, an occurrence in your life, a tragedy of the enemy. Listen to this. 
a tragedy of the enemy. That was not God's plan for your life. Because it has happened, don't identify yourself with it. I break that lie of the devil in the name of Jesus. I break the stronghold by the authority of God's word now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit of God, reveal the purposes of our Lord to your people. The abuse that happened when you were small, girl or boy growing up is not your identity. I sense the presence of God when I say that. I sense the anointing of God in that. It's not your identity. Your identity. God is delivering you from that. From that bitterness. From that anger. Be free in the name of Jesus. Be free in the name of Jesus. The power of God even coming upon you to remove all those memories. That when you remember, it doesn't have any sting with it. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name. Can you shout Amen? And would you give God glory and honor? Thank you, Lord.